y'all, I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Today's episode is sponsored by Farm Tea Company. Farm Tea Company has apparel for all 50 states and is focused on American farmers, ranchers, and the agricultural community as a whole. Farm Tea Company shows pride in where you farm, how you farm, and why you farm. Check them out at www.farmteaco.com or at Farm Tea Co. on social media. Okay, so today I'm sitting down with another amazing Cowgirl 30 Under 30 honoree, um, Callie. And I feel like for this season, I probably should have just named it Cowgirl 30 Under 30 um, because I've gotten to talk to so many of the incredible women who are a part of our class. Um, So I'm excited to talk to you and get to learn more about you. And I'm excited for my listeners to also get to do the same. But Callie, if you would not mind starting off telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me on the show today. It's been really fun to listen to your podcast um, and to be able to be on it. So a little bit about me is I was born and raised in California. I grew up um, doing 4-H, FFA, kind of immersed in the agriculture industry and the horse industry. Um, So my mom had a passion for horses. We raised horses my entire life. I started showing at the age of five um, and kind of never looked back. I have been showing horses or livestock at some point in my life, kind of throughout my entire, you know, the past 20 years or so. And that's what led me to Oklahoma State is I really just fell in love with ag communications and they had a great horse show team. They had a great judging team. And that was kind of what I wanted to be a part of. And um, things didn't work out. I didn't get to be a part of the equestrian team there after an injury, but had some great experiences there at Oklahoma State where I was on the horse judging team. I did the sorority. I got to meet so many people from so many different walks of life. And I really learned that there was this need for people to be able to communicate agriculture to the masses. And that's what I really fell in love with with the ag communications program there. Um, I had this grand plan of going more into the you know, ag consumption, going more back into production ag. Um, And then I got offered a job of running social media for a rodeo company out of Oklahoma City. And I just fell in love with it. I always told my dad I wanted to get paid to go to horse shows. And he told me that was not a thing Um, and kind of got that job and just fell in love with it and worked there for a couple of years and then spent five years at the National Cutting Horse Association in Fort Worth, Texas, um, where I did marketing and PR for them and just absolutely fell in love with all of it. It was so much fun to be able to travel around having such a passion for the horse industry. I got to travel all across the country and share the sport with whole, you know, whole new people, different people and, um, you know, horse enthusiasts, as well as people that had never experienced the cutting before, which was really fun. Um, And then I just recently kind of transitioned over to the National Rain Cow Horse Association, um, switched disciplines up, kind of confused everybody and just added another letter into the acronym behind my name. Um, (laughs) And doing the same thing here. I've only been here for a couple of months, but it's been so much fun. And, you know, the rain cow horse is just as much fun as the cutting and the people are great. And my husband does the rain cow horse. So it's a little bit better with our schedules we get to spend a little bit more time together um and I just get to travel and do horse shows and share this industry with people 
which is really fun. So doing what your, your dad told you couldn't be done, right? <laughs> exactly. He told me the only way you did that was to be a horse trainer. And I knew I didn't want to do that. So um, it's kind of fun to be able to find your way and get to a point where you really have a passionate job and um, in an industry that just basically raised me. And it's kind of fun to be able to give back in the little way that I can. Yeah, for sure. And you just said so many things that I want to come back to. But the first thing is we are both fellow born and raised Californians. Mm -hmm. Um, So for you, I know what it was like when I moved to Texas. But for you, what was like that whole transition period like of like, I'm in a southern ish state, and I'm from California, like the whole scenario that comes with that. (laughs) You know, it was a big eye opener. So of course, you know, you're a senior in high school, you come and do your, your tours, and it's all in the Mm -hmm. spring, and it's beautiful, and it's green, (laughs) and you love it. And it's this great weather. And then you come for freshman orientation in July in Oklahoma, and you've never experienced humidity. Mm -hmm. I questioned a lot of decisions that first two months but you know it was a big transition but it was the fun thing was is growing up I was kind of always the oddball I felt like yes I had my friends that were in 4-H and FFA but I also went to a charter school that specialized in performing arts so you can imagine that was just not as many people growing up with agriculture they didn't understand that lifestyle and so I kind of always craved being around people um, that understood ag, that liked the agriculture. And so I think that's really what drew me to Oklahoma. And when I got here and I got involved in the college, it was really interesting because I would meet people that weren't necessarily ag majors, but I didn't have to explain to them what a cow was. And I didn't have to explain all of these other things that I was so used to constantly having to explain and almost justify, if you will, um, kind of growing up. So it was kind of a, you know, a relaxing part of being able to transition in. There was definitely a culture shock and humidity was definitely something I had to get used to. Um, But, you know, it was definitely a really fun experience for sure. Yes. And my mom, who still is in California, she's actually visiting me right now in Texas. She always says, do you actually ever get used to the humidity? And I don't know. I don't know. I'm still trying to adjust. (laughs) I understand that. My mom is contemplating moving out here from California right now. And that's her biggest thing as she comes out to visit. She goes, I just can't do do the crazy weather and the tornadoes and the humidity. And I just can't do all that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot, but I can relate to you in the fact that you were in a new place, but yet you kind of felt connected just by Mm -hmm. people being in agriculture and same kind of situation. I grew up showing and all that kind of, all of those things, but um, my core group of friends at high school were not involved in agriculture at all. So it was kind of like, I found my people and that's, I always joke that like, it's the second I stepped on campus, I felt like I found my people finally. Um, So that's cool. You also kind of had that similar experience. Yes. It's, it's definitely comforting, I think, when you, especially for us that we're going so far away to school and you're leaving everything behind, what that actually kind of looks like and how, how, you, how are you going to fit in and what if you get there and you don't like it? You know, yeah. that's, a, that's a nerve-wracking thing in college and transitioning and period, but right. um, being that far away, it's kind of nice to be able to feel like you're at home. Absolutely. And then I want to talk about the agricultural communication side of all of that. So how did that, did you kind of always know this is something I want to do or how did that evolve? 
Yeah, so I've always loved the ag communication side of things. I have, um, you know, one of the reasons I really got involved in it is I grew up showing horses and that was, you know, during that time, it was a big thing to create these advertisements that ran in different magazines um, and it would showcase your horse and what barn you rode in and what events you did. And my dad was not a horse person. He did not understand why we were going to spend this much money on a photo shoot and this much money on a magazine ad when, you know, we're just going to go show horses and this isn't really a career or anything like that. Um, so I made him the deal that if he would pay for the ad placement, I would figure out how to do the photos and I would figure out how to do the graphic design. So I um, got with one of my best friends who was doing a lot of photography at the time. We kind of put this together. She would take photos of me and I would try to put ads together. I cringe at them now when I look at them, how horrible they were, but that's kind of what got me interested in it is really kind of going into that graphic design and the media portion of things. And so when I kind of transitioned and did all of that stuff, um, you know, that's kind of what led me to that high school that I was talking about earlier is because they had a really great graphics program. And then when I got in there, that's when I realized that people don't understand where their food comes from. People don't understand, you know, everything that farmers and ranchers are going through um, to be able to put food on their table or in the grocery store where they think meat comes from. And so that was kind of the big draw for me with the ag communications was how do I take this passion that I have for graphic design and media and social media and all of that, but kind of make it good for everybody and mm -hmm. being able to tell that story because I kind of grew up with the interesting side of seeing both sides of it. I was involved in 4-H and FFA. I knew a lot of people that were farmers and ranchers. Uh, my family was involved in it somehow, but I also had so many friends and so many ties to the city community that I could see where there was just this lack of communication going back and forth between the two. Um, so that's really kind of what drew me in. And then um, my whole plan of kind of going to the production ag, I just fell in love with horses and kind of stuck in with that kind of afterwards, but. Yeah, so my question is, so now that you are kind of on back in the industry side of things, obviously not production, but you're still working in the industry applying the ag communication things. How has kind of what you learned maybe in college, how have you been able to almost kind of shift it and look at it through like the horse industry lens? Mm -hmm. So we, you know, in the horse industry, I think you still deal with a lot of people that don't understand, um, you know, they understand rodeo, but if you're not rodeo, you don't really understand what the event is. You kind of have to take that same type of philosophy and that same communication tactic um, for some of these other disciplines and being able to expose people in small doses and getting them interested and learning what types of things get people engaged. Um, one of the really cool things that we did at NCHA when I was there is they came up with a virtual goggles that you could actually put on and kind of experience riding a cutting horse. Um, and, you know, for people that grew up in the horse industry, we'd try it and it was, oh, you know, this isn't right, or this just right here isn't right. But for people that had never been on a horse, they thought it was the coolest thing ever. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had to switch my mentality because when I first you know, started off with the project. I was like, oh, this isn't right. And this isn't right. And I kept picking it apart from a writer and from somebody that grew up in this industry. And I had to retrain myself and go, wait, no, we need to think about this from the outsider looking at right. and how do we get people 
involved in how do we get people to understand that there's so many different opportunities to do with the horse, whether it's rodeo or whether you just want to ride or whether you want to show in cow horse or cutting or, you know, pick whatever discipline it is that you want to do. Being able to figure out a way to get people engaged at the lowest, lowest level is the biggest thing. And then being able to kind of build on that as you progress. And so in your experience, I know you kind of talked about the whole, you know, consumer producer gap mm-hmm. and all that. How, how does that apply kind of to the horse side of things? Is it something that you think is still or is an issue or in that kind of world, what does it look like, I guess? Well, you know, I think, you know, five years ago, even three years ago, it was definitely a bigger disconnect than I think it is right now. I think with the transition that you're seeing with Yellowstone and like all this stuff about the Western industry, people are excited about, Mm -hmm. people are wanting to have a horse. They don't know what they want to do with it yet, but they, you know, they almost come with, come to us and be like, I already have a horse. Can I do this event with this? Mm -hmm. And it makes my job really easy. And it's like, yes, here's these resources here. We can do this and this. Um, But I think it's kind of been an interesting transition because you know, when I first got into the horse industry, I felt there was a lot bigger gap. You either had horses or you didn't. And it was one of those things that it was really hard to get a parent to say, yes, I want my kids to do horses instead of basketball. Because yeah. <laughs> that's a very big commitment um, financially, time-wise, all of the things. And and now I think there's so much of a trend towards the Western industry, which has been really fun to kind of watch grow. Um, people are already excited. They already have the horse so they already want the horse and it's kind of just more finding their niche within the market which is a little bit easier it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas than trying to convince them to jump on board all the way kind of deal. Yeah. And kind of, and I actually had a very similar conversation um, with Carly, who is at mm-hmm. the Cutting Horse Association right now. And we kind of got in down the Yellowstone rabbit hole, um, which I won't, I won't take us too far into that area of things. But in your opinion, kind of this new exposure for the industry, how are you guys seeing that on your side of things? I think it's been great. I think, you know, as far as cow horse is concerned, we've experienced so much growth just as people become more aware of the sport. You know, we've been able to have people come and join just because, oh, well, we saw that there were horses and we thought maybe, maybe the Taylor Sheridan and the Yellowstone crew would be here or something. And, you know, and of course we all know that that's not how it all works, but you know, we just wrapped up a show in Vegas and I was shocked on the number of people that just came in from the casino to watch the horse show. I've been to Vegas for horse shows my entire life and that's never happened unless it's at the NFR. Interesting. And having something like that and people just coming in and they wanting to buy boots or they want to buy cowboy hats, you know, I think has been really exciting. And I don't think people understood how much of a growth we were going to see when Yellowstone first came out for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of a unique opportunity that we're now in um, from the Western side of things, but just agriculture as a whole, I think we're, we're in a a pivotal point of 
if we can do things right, this may be an excellent opportunity for us to kind of make that gap a little lesser. Definitely. So for listeners who may not be familiar with the um, kind of what your role is and what your side of the reigning horse, uh, all of that looks like, could you maybe explain a little bit about what that means? Yeah. So the rain cow horse sport has a really deep history actually in California, um, which makes it kind of near and dear to my heart just because of how I grew up. Um, but it derived a lot from the vaquero traditions. And so it can put together the raining pattern, which you see a lot in Yellowstone, um, the cutting aspect, which um, you've seen across many different movies and documentaries. And then it adds this component, uh, what we call the fence work. So it is one rider, a horse and a cow in the arena. And that rider has to work the cow across the end of the arena, take it down the fence, make two turns and then take it out into the middle of the arena and circle it both directions. So there's a very high degree of difficulty in this and it's really action-packed and it's a lot of fun. Uh, there's definitely, there's lots of movies and resources that you guys can watch, but I think the best documentary out there is called Down the Fence. Um, and I think it's free on Netflix right now. I probably need to double check that, but it really talks about the you know history of the association, but it shows how much action that's in it and what these horses go through and what these riders are going through. Um, it's kind of, if you think of like a triathlon of horse events, that's very similar to what it is. So it's got the components of the rain work where you're doing a pattern on your horse that's already pre-drawn. You work the horse down the fence. And then of course you work out of the herd, which is the cutting side as well, which you take a cow away from the herd and hold it out there for two and a half minutes. Yeah, I am always amazed when I watch these events because it truly is a sport between the athlete of the horse, but then also the athlete of the rider. And it's just like so much has to go right for everything to line up. So it's mm -hmm. quite the phenomenon to watch and be a part of. Yes, those guys have so much guts when they go down the fence. And there's a reason that I stand on the other side of the camera and get to do all the interviews and do the marketing for it because I do not have the guts to do it at all. <laughs> And actually talking about kind of what you do, what maybe, and I'm sure this looks different all the time, but what is kind of like a normal or average day look like for you? You know, one of the things that I have learned about being in media and communications, no two days are the same. Yes. Um, one of the things that, you know, the biggest thing that I do is I run the social media for the Rain Cow Horse Association. And then I do all, a lot of the PR. So I work with companies like the Cowboy Channel, um, Quarter Horse News, different outlets like that to be able to get our brand awareness out there. Um, we've got a really exciting event coming up for the, the Run for a Million that's going to be in Vegas in August, um, which is another one of Taylor Sheridan's type projects. He kind of started a show called The Last Cowboy that followed these guys around to this big show called The Run for a Million. They've also added in the cow horse sector this year. And um, so I've been kind of going around following our qualifiers and doing a lot of behind the scenes, lifestyle type reporting, kind of sharing those stories of the new horses that are coming in, the underdogs that are gonna be headed to Vegas this year, and along with our seasoned veterans, of course, that'll be joining them. So it's been really fun with that aspect, but every day is different. I could be doing social media one day and I could be installing banners, getting ready for a show another day, so. The wearer of many hats, it sounds yes. like. <laughs> What's your favorite part of what you get to do? 
I think it's honestly just that I do not get bored at my job. I get to experience so many different facets. I get to travel and meet so many different people. Um, one of the things that I love about the cow horse is the rich history and the dedication that they have to upholding that history. You know, we see so many other sports that grow and they kind of lose track of where they came from. And I will say, I think the cow horse is definitely one that stays very, very deeply rooted to their tradition. Yes, I think, and because of things now like Yellowstone and, and those <laughs> types of platforms, I guess, that the industry is being kind of put on, I think it's such a cool, unique way to highlight that deep tradition mm-hmm. and kind of share with the rest of the world, like, this isn't just for show, you know what I mean? Like everything has a purpose and we do things for a certain reason. And so I'm hoping through all of this, it is kind of going to open some people's eyes up about, you know, this is, there's so much to what goes into this and in a daily matter, not even just the event wise. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things that I don't think anybody ever really understood. You know, you go to a rodeo, you don't understand the hours that the people are putting in behind the scenes to get those horses and the equine athletes and, you know, the bulls all ready to go as well as, you know, the competitors themselves. These guys are pretty much professional athletes. Mm -hmm. And I think we're finally starting to see, you know, the industry gain enough exposure that they are recognized as such. Yes. And, and I probably being, um, compensated for that as well, finally. Mm -hmm. Yes. So for you, when you're approaching a story or a campaign, what's kind of like the process that you go through? You know, one of the things that I really like to do is I like to bounce things off my husband, which sounds crazy, but he is the, he's not a tech savvy person. He's that person that doesn't fall into all the gimmicks and the Mm -hmm. bright, shiny colors that a lot of marketing, you know, campaigns get thrown on. And so if I can pitch him an idea and he actually gets intrigued and will stop working a horse and ask a question, um, then I feel like I might have something. And then, you know, I have a great team here at the cow horse and we kind of all, you know, team together and kind of brainstorm and how to create these things. So yes, I get to be the one that executes them, but there's so many more people behind the scenes that help get the process going. Yeah. And when you're working in teams, it's always great to have good people you can bounce ideas off of and help you move along. Cause sometimes you just get stuck on things, especially when you're working on projects that have so many different facets of like telling a story, trying to reach an audience and all of those different factors. Exactly. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I know I struggled with when I first got into the communications was I was so focused on, well, this is the purpose of this video, or this is the purpose of this ad that I never took the time to go, okay, but how else can we pull people in from, you know, a sentimental side or, you know, is there some sort of tie that we're missing here? And so that's one of the things I've really felt like I got better this past, you know, two to three years is really kind of relying on people around me to see what ideas they pull up as well, because I was so focused on nope, this is the, this is the track we're on and this is how we're going to go about it. That I feel like I missed a lot of things, um, that, you know, now that you can kind of look back at the, you wish you could go back and change. Yeah. Do you think because of how much social media has grown, especially like in the industry that that has had any impact on that as far as like seeing what other people are doing or was that just kind of a self-realization? Well, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, I think social media has kind of created this 
it's the blessing and the curse because it <laughs> gets you so much exposure, but you're also constantly having to go, okay, how's that person going to take mm-hmm. this? And, and how's this going to come across? And, right. Um, so yes, I think social media definitely made me focus on that a little bit more because you never know how people are going to take things. Um, but at the same way, I think it's challenged all of us in the marketing world of coming up with more creative ideas because you are competing against each other. And that's one of the things that I think is really fun, especially with the cowgirl 30 under 30, I got to meet so many different girls that have same position as me but in some other different aspect. And instead of us competing against each other, we really got to come together and kind of brainstorm and, you know, have so many different conversations that kind of, oh, I never thought about approaching it that direction or, you know, being able to share ideas that way. Yeah, I agree. And that's been something that's been fun for me talking to all of you is Mm -hmm. like, first of all, getting to know you a little bit better because I felt like that whole weekend was a blur and I didn't really talk to anyone, but also figuring out and learning about like, yeah, you guys might have similar titles, but everyone does something so different and their spin on it is completely different from the next person's, which is, I think maybe because this industry is first of all, still very small, but Mm -hmm. also it's still new in the way it's kind of emerging and catching up with the rest of the world. It's kind of gives us that opportunity to look at things a little differently. Definitely. I 100% agree with that. So for you, what was kind of the main push to apply for Cowgirl 30 under 30? Actually, it was Carly Montemero. She is the one that drove me to apply. Um, Honestly, when she first sent it to me, I didn't really kind of, I looked at it, but I didn't really think, oh, they'll not choose, they won't choose me. They won't, you know, I haven't done anything spectacular. And so she's the one that pushed me to do the application and, and go through the process. And so I'm forever thankful for her because (laughs) that was, um, such a unique experience. And I think one that I will definitely treasure forever. Yes, I agree. It was just, I, I felt, I remember like sitting there that night of the, um, gala and like looking around and being like, oh my God, like someone put my application in the wrong pile here because how am I here with all these crazy and talented, amazing individuals? Um, And I think that's something um, that will probably continue to unfold as we, as more individuals get added to the class as well, or classes, I guess. Yeah, 100% agree with that. That was kind of me as well as like, oh my gosh, these girls have accomplished so much. And I kind of had to check myself because I was like, I haven't Mm -hmm. done half the things that they've done, but it's been so much fun and it's been such a great group of people that I, you know, it's one of those things like you never realized that you needed somebody like that in your life and until they're placed there. And I think that's one of the things that I felt really, really blessed about is there were so many ladies that I did not know going in, but after that weekend, I felt like I had a great group of new friends and I can call them for anything, whether it's, you know, something personal or something business-wise that I want to kind of bounce ideas off of them with. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like a whole new group of people to help you through life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So lastly here, Callie, and I want to thank you, first of all, for taking some time out of your schedule to chat with me and um, uh, the listeners. I'm sure you guys are getting out of this as much as I am. But if you could kind of talk to Callie at graduation stage from Oklahoma State, what would maybe be something that you tell her um, looking forward for the years that you just accomplished? to never stop working. 
I felt like I found myself plateauing so many different times and I should have just kept working and could have kept pushing harder. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I look back and go, you missed that opportunity because you didn't think that you were going to apply. You shouldn't apply because you didn't fit. And so um, I wish I had a Carly in my life all the way up to that point, kicking me and making me do those things. So I would definitely tell her to just make sure you keep trying. And the worst thing they can say is no. Yep. Yep. That's one of my mottos. The worst thing they can say is no, right? Like you just yep. get up and try something different. So I think that's great. And Callie, again, thank you so much for chatting with me. Congratulations um, for 30 under 30. And I'm excited to see the rest of things that unfold for you. Well, thank you so much for having me on here. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks on Instagram and Facebook. And that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the Ag Chicks channel.